The Old Testament reading is Psalm 90. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to, you to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins and the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord. How long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Greetings. Can you hear me? Good. It is good to be here in Iowa. This is our first time, and thanks to Will Bankston. Uh, we have been friends during our PhD studies at uh, uh, TADS in Chicago. And uh, he's been a good friend, and we have enjoyed many conversations, good conversations, and I'm very delighted. And also, I would like to say you have a really beautiful building, and that's a great. I love the Christian architecture. The high ceiling reminds you that, you know, uh, high above is God in heavens, and uh, I think it's a lovely building. Today we are looking at Psalm 90, and uh, you know, you, you might have heard this psalm preached often at funerals. It reminds of our finitude or you know, how little time we have, and it just passes by quickly. And then it sort of reminds the despair of death into this hope that God is eternal and we have hope. But last year in 2020, uh, our son was born. And right around the time when the United States went into lockdown and all sort of you know, preventive measures to curb the spread of COVID-19, uh, I took my son for the first uh, doctor's visit. And... Uh, uh, I was there with the doctor, and you know, this was our first time, it was a new doctor, and she, we were just chatting, and she said, so what do you do? And I said, well, I study theology, and you know, I'm studying Old Testament. And she made a remark, maybe your job is, she said, what you're studying is important, maybe now it's important. 
that the COVID is sort of questioning people's life and when it will end and what will happen. And I wondered that, you know, it's probably in human lives that unless you face a crisis, there is some sort of problem occurring, a suffering unexpected happens, then we start questioning the reality. Then we start questioning the meaning of life, what's purpose in it, and all sort of things. And same thing happened with Israel. Israel, whose songbook we read this morning, the Psalm 90, similar crisis has happened. If you noticed, uh, you know, we often in our churches, we missed reading the title of a psalm. If you notice the title of Psalm 90, it says, A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God. But you know, often you might have heard that Psalms, we don't often relate Psalms with Moses. It's often Psalms of David. David is the great singer, the musician of the Old Testament who has written so many songs. And we always talk about David. But here it says, A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God. And if you look, up, look through Psalm 1 to 89, you won't find Moses anywhere. It's pretty much about David and, you know, he's running from enemies. He's singing praises to God about his kingdom and his son. There's so many things about David. We never heard about Moses. And then you suddenly wonder, why suddenly a, a prayer of Moses, the man of God? Not only that, but if you look in your Bible, right above Psalm 90, there's a title called Book 4. This is where Book 4 opens. And then if you go down all the way to Psalm 106, that's where the book 4 ends. And in the span of these 17 Psalms, from 90 to 106, you find Moses mentioned, or Moses speaking, nearly seven times. So it's a question. Moses was missing for 89 Psalms. At least he was mentioned in Psalm 77 or 78. And then here we have book 4. Suddenly Moses appears seven times and then you sort of question so what has happened that suddenly the Moses the great grandfather you to speak or the great prophet of the Israel the great comforter has come to pray for Israel the answer is found in a book three that is from Psalm 73 to 89 and uh, one thing I would like to point out this morning that often we read Psalms one at a time and it's a good thing you know Psalms are poems they're one separate entities, each psalm at a time. But you know, the book of Psalm lays down a narrative for us. From beginning Psalm 1 to 150, the easiest way Psalm 1 sort of speaks of obedience, and Psalm 150 speaks about praise. So obedience to praise with the Davidic king. But then you realize Psalm 73 all the way to 89, there are so many questions that remain unanswered. For example... Let me read you a couple of questions from Psalm 74. O oh God, why have you cast us off forever? How long, O oh God, is the foe to scope? Is the enemy to revile your name forever? Remember this, O oh Lord, how the enemy scopes and the foolish people revile your name. Even more, if you read Psalm 79, there are stark warnings. How long, O oh Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Help us, O God, of our salvation. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. These are the questions that, and the pleas that the people of Israel are making. Psalm 73 all the way to 83. You have questions after questions. 
and most of them, they're never answered. You go down all the way to Psalm 89, and this is what the people of Israel says. The psalmist prays. In Psalm 2, you have heard God said that, you know, I have installed my king on Zion, the holy hill. And he will rule, and he invites God, the Yahweh invites all the nations to kiss the son, to obey him, find refuge in God. But here, something else has happened. Look what the psalmist says. But now you have cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in dust. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how short my time is. Lord, where is your steadfast love of old, which by your faithfulness you swore to David? What does all this talk about? It speaks of Israel's experience of exile. Israel is landless, homeless, kingless in a distant land. They have all kind of crisis. They have lost everything. The temple is hewed down with axes. It has been broken down. The king is dragged with iron chains to Babylon. People are dragged to Babylon. Everything is at loss. The God who said that he will establish the kingship of David forever and somebody will be on his throne forever. All seems to be lost. And Israel is bewildered at the absence of God. The God seems hidden and far away. And that's the time you want someone to comfort Israel. And there's none better than Moses. And Moses comes and comforts. And this is why I think we need to pay attention to the title, Prayer of Moses, the man of God. The Moses, the voice from the past, comes back in this tragic moment to comfort the people of Israel. And what is the comfort? Let's look at Psalm 90, verse 1 and 2. This is what it says. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. What is Moses saying? Moses saying, before there was David a king, before you were back in the wilderness, landless, God was there, and he was your dwelling place. He was your security, a place where you can hide. The word dwelling place here, it's literally a place where a wild animal will hide out. Somewhere they will find security from the nature's elements. Somewhere they can really find safety and peace. This is what God has been for Israel. That's what Moses reminds them. In the tragic incident of exile, God, uh, Moses says that to the people of Israel, that God has been your dwelling place, not just in these generation. But generation that has gone by, in every generation, God has been your dwelling place. And who is this God? This is the God who has given birth to mountains, the world, the earth. And he's from eternity unto eternity. The eternal God, the creator God is your refuge. That is Moses' plea to the people of Israel. He prays for them and he comforts them that God is where you will find security. Whether you are in Jerusalem or whether you are in Babylon, captive and landless, kingless, nevertheless, God is your refuge. That's where you will find your, uh, security. And then suddenly Moses is not like sort of, you know, softening the, the, the pain of the exile. He doesn't want to uh, talk away 
from the idea that exile is okay, it's going to go away. No. He wants to point out why. Why exile? What has happened? Why God seems like hidden and absent and far away? And verse 3 to 10 sort of is a meditation on humanity. Suddenly, Moses takes his eyes off Israel and puts uh, Israel into the shoe of all humanity. The whole humanity's fate sort of reflected in what has happened to Israel. Verse 3 to 5, even 6, they remind how, how fragile human life is and how, how transient it is. This is what God speaking, verse 3, God speaks and he says, You return men to dust, Moses says. You say, return, O children of men. Better translation, return, O mortals. This is what God says. You return men to dust. You say, return, O mortals. For a thousand years in your sight are but a yesterday when it is past, a watch in the night. And then suddenly, in light of this mortality of man, it reminds how God considers time. For God, a thousand year, it's like yesterday that has gone by. Even worse, it's just a little shorter of watch in the night, just mere three hours. So this is God's time. In God's time, the time is really not God. God is eternal. For him, a thousand year is like a watch in the night. But how about man? Man is not so much. You sweep them away with a flood. They are like a dream. You wake up and the dream is gone. Like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. This is our existence. It's like a grass. Isaiah also speaks of this. It reminds Israel in the famous Isaiah's hymn in Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. The great Handel's Messiah, the the hymn where it says, the God will reveal his glory. But what? He says, your existence is like a grass. It fades away quickly. It withers away. Not God. God is eternal. But, but the question, why? Why is humanity so frail and transient? Really, God made us to be frail and transient, to be dismayed? That's why God made us? I think Moses reflects much more, he says, the reason for our transientness, reason for death and our withering existence is given in verse 7 to 10. This is what it says. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a shy. The years of our life may be 70 with the reason 80. Yet their span is toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. What is the reality? Moses reminds Israel that, you know, human beings, just like Israelites, are forgetful of the idea of the divine law of sin and retribution. God has right to be angry at our sins. God has a righteous and holy prerogative, divine prerogative as a creator, to be upset with us, to be angered with us, because we have sinned. And what is the reality? Humanity's sin is right in the presence of God. And human existence is sort of waxed away. 
under God's wrath. Not a 21st century topic, not something that people would like to hear. Such is the God of Israel, such is the God of the Bible. This is our God. Yahweh has this divine prerogative by which he takes our sin, he notices our sins. It's right before him. And he says, his power of his anger melts us away. We are waxed away. Even when our existence is 70 years, maybe with medicines, we live close to 90 these days, even more than 90. In a days ahead, maybe we'll live 120. That's possible with the advance of medical science. But what does the psalm say? Even with that, all of its span, the breath, the from birth to the death, the whole moment is covered in toil, trouble, and sorrow. There's so much going on, and it's almost withering away. This transientness and the reality of the God's wrath is ever more present. How shall we live then? The question Francis Schaeffer asked. How shall we live then? If such is the reality, is it all dismay and despair? We are all consumed away under God's wrath. Should we fly away? This is our existence. The word fly away, it's like this. And we are going away. It's a sigh. Literally like a vapor and angst that come out. Anguish. We fly away. This is human existence. I think COVID has reminded us. In August... I was, on August 26th, I called my uncle, you know, I was, India was having a delta wave, and uh, a lot of people were dying, literally like flies, men were dropping like flies, that many people died in India, and uh, I was worried about my extended family, so I started calling people, just to make sure, you know, they're, they're, they're okay. I called my uncle, who is 55, healthy generally, and uh, my aunt, who is 50 years old, and they call and they say, you know, we have a minor fever, we are fine, uh, we'll just isolation, hopefully, God willing, we'll be okay in a couple of days. Four days later, I received news that both died. It's just an example that, you know, COVID has reminded us how tragic the technological advance, you know, the availability of things, the consumerism sort of makes men forgetful that our life is autonomous, we are self-reliant and we can get away with life. But the psalm reminds that, you know, humanity's existence is actually right before God, and it's wasting away, waxing away, melting away, because the reality of our sin. If God not to be merciful, we have no hope. So two things Moses has reminded the Israel so far. Number one, that God has been their eternal refuge. Even though there is no king, God, the creator, the eternal God, has been their eternal security, eternal safety. Number two, Moses has reminded the people of Israel that human existence is frail, transient, and the reality of the divine wrath is very real and ever-present. So how should we live then? How should we respond? How should Israel respond? How should humanity respond in the light of COVID that's still raging? Verse 11 and 12 teaches us how we should respond to this reality of God's wrath. Who considers the power of your anger, of your wrath, according to the fear of you? Teach us to number our day that we may get heart of wisdom. What does verse 11 and 12 trying to say? Who considers the power of your anger? In other words, nobody really knows 
the power of God's anger. No human being ever has this, had to face this. God in his mercy withheld the power of his wrath. Yes, we waste away. Yes, our existence is very limited because of divine wrath on sin. And yet, nobody knows what is the full force, the brunt rage of God's power. It has been withheld. God has been charitable to us. Your wrath according to the fear of you. In other words, Moses invites to ponder Israel, God's wrath, the reality of it, and ask that God teach us to fear, teach us to seek wisdom in our life. Be wise. And it all sounds very abstract, but what Moses is trying to say is, if we fear God, then we will be really you know, realistic about reality of God, his existence of divine wrath and its effect on our lives. We will be fearful seeking God and His mercy. And see verse 12, 13 all the way to 17, there are six pleas literally asking God to return, have compassion, have mercy. And that's where the hope lies, the confident hope. So number three, uh, 11 and 12 definitely ask Israel to seek God, fear Him, and seek wisdom. But number th uh, verse 13 to 17 reminds the fourth item, the satisfaction, the joy only God can give. And this is what verse 13 to 17 says. Return, O Lord, how long? Remember book 3, the questions. How long, God? Will your anger burn forever? Will you hide yourself forever? You have rejected us, cast us off. This is the question. Return, O Lord, return to us. Have compassion, have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Return, have pity, satisfy us, that we may be glad all our days. Make us glad as many days you have afflicted us, as many years as we have seen evil. Establish the work of our hands. This is the please Moses makes on behalf of Israel, which is in exile, kingless, landless, homeless, tragic. They have lost everything. And yet God, Moses says, yes, the loss is great. And yet you see the eternal God is your refuge. That is your gain. It's a gigantic providence and dividend that Moses offers to the people of Israel. And to this God, Moses pleads, uh, pleads on behalf of Israel, return, O Lord, how long have compassion on your servants. And you know, this prayer reminds us of another incident in the life of Israel. Last time when Moses prayed for the Israel, it was at the foot of Mount Sinai. Moses is in the presence of the God at the top of the Mount Sinai, receiving the Ten Commandments and the law and the covenant. And the people of Israel are down at the foot of the hill. They forget about Moses. Maybe he died. We don't know what happened to him. And they get into this jubilant worship of golden calf. And God tells Moses, you know, you don't know the people what they're doing down there. I'm going to wipe them out. And that's where Moses put on this mediatorial road, stands in a gap between Israel and God. And he says, God, take me away. These are your people. What will nation will think? if you wipe them out. And that's when God had mercy, compassion on Israel. The words here, written, O Lord, have compassion on your servants, is very similar 
uh, that reminds us of Deutero- uh, Exodus 32, 33, and 34, where God says he's gracious and compassionate, and he will show mercy not to next generation, third generation, fourth generation, up to thousandth generation. He will be faithful and merciful. And that's where Moses is actually asking Israel to remember. Return, O Lord, have compassion on your servant, have mercy. And if you go down Psalm 103, a couple of pages, it sings great. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. What are the benefits of God? Who forgives your iniquity, who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from pain, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Even more, it says, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him, that as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgression from us. As Father shows compassion to the children, the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. This is what Moses is arguing for. Have compassion. Remember Israel. This is what your God is. It is only he who can bring meaning, purpose into this transient existence. Second thing Moses asks, make us glad as many days you have afflicted us, as many years we have seen evil. Let your works be shown to your servants, let your glorious power to your children. What Moses is asking here is God, you know, compare this. Before we have this image of grass that's withering away, you know, uh, human existence that's passing away. But here the image is, make us glad as many days as you afflicted us. It's a contrast. For God to restore the people of Israel. So what is this prayer? It's a prayer for God's favor. Prayer seeking God's restoration for the people of Israel in the time of tragic loss. And that's where the last verse shines. It says, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. What does it say? What does Moses is saying? Moses is saying that in this short life where our existence is right before the wrath of God, but it is God's mercy, God's divine character and compassionate character can actually bring meaning to life, to meaning to what we do from Monday to Friday. The word is establish, establish. Before the word was flying away, withering away, transienting away. Here is the contrast that God establish, establish our work, you know, make it fruitful, make it meaningful, purposeful. And so, so one scholar has said that our, you know, our days and years are not simply just on the way to oblivion, like a lot of atheists would uh, do at their funerals. They, they would say, you know, you were privileged to be born among many cells that got destroyed. You were privileged to have a life under the, you know, on the earth and enjoy the culture and human, human excellence and all sort of things. No, we are not on our way to oblivion. What does it? Our efforts, they are not simply futile. They are not go away. But our work... Before God who is eternal, God who is faithful, compassionate, and merciful, is meaningful. God loves humanity, and he is compassionate, faithful, and steadfastly loving toward us. And that's why our allotted time, our time here on earth, becomes meaningful, purposeful, joyful, and enduring. These are the words 
told during exile. COVID is still around us. It still bothers us. And we wish life was normal back. And we don't know what is going forward, you know, it's going to be look like. And that's not the only thing. Maybe, you know, we have seen, like I have seen in my family, somebody really close die. And uh, we are facing some crisis in life and, and wondering why God's so far away. But I think we need to remember the words of Moses. It is only God where we can find eternal security and safety. It also reminds us, like uh, John Calvin said in his institutes, in his section on Christian life, one of the important aspects of Christian life is meditation of future life. And in that section, one of the sections that says that we have to meditate on our death. We have to be mindful that our life is limited. And that's what Moses reminds the people of Israel. See how Psalm 91 opens for the moment. He who dwells in the shelter of Most High, he who abides in the shadow of the Almighty, I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, the God in whom I trust. Psalm 92, look at the words of Psalm 92 ending from 12 onwards. The righteous flourish like palm tree. They grow like cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no unrighteous in him. You have a future. The people of God has a meaningful future with God. And that's what Moses is asking the people of Israel to do. Yes, exile seems like everything's over. It's, we don't know it's going to be end in 70 years or not. And in reality, even when Israel returns to the land after the exile is over under the decree of Cyrus, you know, you read in book of Haggai, it doesn't seem like, you know, God said he's going to restore and great thing. It doesn't seem like that. You know, land doesn't seem that, you know, much meaningful. The buildings are not so great and gigantic and majestic as it was in the days of Solomon. Once again, Israel is reminded that it is only in God who is eternal, we can find eternal security. All other, you know, emblems of security are meaningless. They are futile, like grass, they wither away. But here is God who is eternal, who was there when you were in the desert, who is there here now in the uh, exile. And then from Psalm 93 all the way to Psalm 100, you hear this resounding car, uh, cry, the Lord reigns, the Yahweh reigns. He reigns over the dry land and the sea. He just doesn't reign in the tiny plot of Palestine. No, he reigns over the dry land and the sea. His rule is proclaimed among the nations. And he invites the nations to worship him. This is the reality which Moses calls the people of Israel to embrace. This is who your God is. This is who our God is. And we have one better than Moses. If Moses can so profoundly pray for Israel, the book of Hebrew reminds us that Jesus is better than Moses. He's not just talking face to face with Moses, but he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he intercedes for us unceasingly. He's better than all the high priests that has gone by. And he's the one who has experienced this frail human existence in his body. He has experienced our own longing and our own anguish. And he brings forth 
the words of Psalm 90, 13 to 17 that satisfy us, Lord, make us glad and establish our work. In Jesus, we have this even resounding Psalm 90 is an affirmative, a, a huge affirmative. The voice of Moses, as it speaks to Israel, it speaks to us this morning. And it speaks in the face of his son, Jesus Christ. And it reminds us that we have a better, better hope, a confident hope, a God who is eternal, who has defeated the death and who sits victoriously at the right hand of God. So let us come to this God and seek refuge in him. In time of crisis, in time of all these uncertainties, let us find meaning in our lives. What we do from Monday to Friday, it is God who brings meaning. It is God who establishes us and makes us flourish and makes us grow like palms of cedar. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Your word to Israel in exile as it comforts the Israel that's wasting away. Father, we pray that your word comforts us this morning. We pray, God, that Help us to remember, give us the heart of wisdom so that we will remember that no matter how long we will live, even like Mathusela for 965 years, even that's just watching the night before you. And our life is utterly dependent on the creatorly benevolence of our God. Lord, we pray that God, we will remember and order our lives and we will find hope in this life only in God who is eternal. Help us to cling to the eternal things that God gives us, Lord. And help us to hope in the things that are eternal. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.